You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I am your host, Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Stacy Willis. Stacy is Senior Vice President of Marketing at Playwire, and Playwire is an ad monetization technology platform. Stacy, hello. It's great to see you again. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. Well, you know, audience, I'm just letting you know that Stacy and I went through quite a bit to actually get this episode scheduled. <laughs> we, we, th- that's just how it works these days, right? Stuff always comes up. We had to reschedule it, I think, two or three times. Yep. Right. But you know what? <laughs> we stuck with it and here we are and we're going to have a great conversation. No barrier is too great. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have a really cool topic today and it's getting the most value from a content cluster. And now when we when we spoke to prep for this episode, that came up and I was like, oh, that's a new term to me. And so I'm thinking that might be a new term to some of our listeners. So let's just start right there. What is a content cluster? Sure. So marketers for, for some time have been, you know, knowledgeable about keyword strategies and, and how you build a content strategy for organic search. I would say a good portion of them probably have heard the term topic cluster before, but they may or may not know what it means. A topic cluster, the way I like to explain it is to back up from like all the algorithms and keywords and nerdy stuff and like related to something that people tend to understand in a day-to-day basis. And that's the knowledge of. So if you were to meet someone who is an expert, you would expect a depth and breadth of expertise across a topic. And let's take a neurosurgeon, for example. If you're going to judge someone's expertise, you'd expect that that neurosurgeon would have like a breadth of knowledge across the area of medicine as a whole, and then really specific depth of knowledge in neurology as like a very specific discipline. And generally, while we may not realize we're doing that, that's how we judge expertise is we're looking for those factors. And that's what we'd call the T model, where it's breadth and then depth. And Google has really done a lot with their algorithm to look for the same thing to determine whether or not a domain shows expertise on a topic level. They want to see depth of knowledge that's, that goes very deep in a specific subject area and breadth of knowledge across the overall subject. And the way that we structure our content and interlink it when we build a topic cluster really gives Google the signals that allow them to see that really easily and pick it up. And what it does is it's Mm. like a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm -hmm. It makes the entire cluster that you've grouped together do well as a whole, rather than looking at it as like an individual article here and there doing well. Okay. So can you give me an example of how you guys do this at at Playwire? Sure. So I'll just take one example of a topic that we go over, which is header bidding. And if you're, you know, into ad monetization and really nerdy, you'll know what that means. It's essentially, it's it's a piece of technology used to serve ads and increase competition for those ads so you make more money. I'm really, really oversimplifying it, but in general. And what we've done in order to create content around this cluster is we have this really in-depth guide on how to do header bidding if you want to do it yourself. It's 4,000 words. It's super in-depth. It's like reading a book. And then we have our supplemental content, which makes up the breadth part of the T, which is a bunch of subtopic articles on smaller topics within header bidding as a category, right? So it might be, what is a header bidding wrapper? How do you build a header bidding integration? We're starting to get a little bit longer tail with the keywords that are related to header bidding, the the high level topic, if you will. And then what we've done is interlink that in a hub and spoke 
type of diagram. So you have your pillar, your long form piece of content in the center, and that needs to link out to all of those subtopic mm. articles. And each of those subtopic articles need to link back in towards the pillar. And really when Google sees this group of content, it says, oh, you guys really understand header bidding as a concept. Therefore, all of those pieces start to rank better for the keywords that they're identified for. And that's really how, how a cluster gets executed. There's a bunch of research, and I definitely piggyback off of people that have you know done more than me. I worked really closely with a colleague of mine. Her name is Liz Murphy, and she's where I get these numbers from, so I can't claim full credit for them by any stretch. But usually what you want to do is about 4,000 words for the long piece of content or more. And then each of the subtopic articles is somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 words. And you want somewhere between eight and 22 of those subtopic articles. And it depends on how competitive the keywords are. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow, great example. And I really like that image of the, the spoked wheel, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, it's easier the, the... to visualize that way. <laughs> Yeah, right. The main thing at the center, like the main mm -hmm. nugget, and then everything's spoken out, and it's all connected going both ways. Correct. Basically. Right. Okay. So this seems like a really good strategy, right, for SEO and to, as you said, let Google yep. know, like, hey, we, we really know what we're talking about on this topic. What have you seen? How can you mess this up? Like, I, oh. I, I, what, what have you, <laughs> what, what should you not do when trying to put this into action? Well, I would say, honestly, the biggest thing where I see people mess up is just not finishing because it's a long-term play, right? Mm. It's, you know, if we go between eight and 22 subtopic articles plus the long piece of content, we're talking at least about nine pieces of content to finish a single cluster, right? Like it's not something that you just do them all at once and then release them. It fits into your overall editorial calendar. And depending on the volume of content that you produce once a week, twice a week, three times a week. It can take a while to produce, right? And get all the way to the finish line. Mm. I don't know about other marketers, but there usually is a lot of requests in the marketing department that tend to mm. distract us. Oh, we need this. We need that. And so it, it can mm -hmm. push us off the plan if we're not just consistent with that regular production and getting to the end of the strategy. So quite honestly, the biggest mistake I see mm. is people just not finishing. So it doesn't even get off the ground. If you do get mm -hmm. off the ground, the biggest mistake that I see is people not making the most of content that's already out there and produced, that's coming mm -hmm. back and refreshing it, that's re-optimizing it, that's making sure that we're constantly keeping an eye on it to get it across the finish line. What you'll find is that you'll release content and then within a few months, you'll start to see it ranking and then you'll just kind of like wait, let it mm -hmm. keep growing in the yeah. rankings. But what you can really do is once you see it start ranking, say, oh, okay, there's my my reminder to go re-optimize it and accelerate it up through the rankings. And so a lot of people don't take advantage of that because it's not like exciting and new. It's not a new piece of content. I don't want to go back and do another one, but that's actually where the bulk of the results come from. Okay. So it sounds like it's a really good idea to do something like a content audit, see what you have. And then, and, and you might see like, oh, we have six, seven pieces already Maybe none of them is going to be that centerpiece of the of mm -hmm. the wheel, right? But we have a bunch of content kind of on this topic. Let's write that big centerpiece and link it out to those. And then we only have maybe five more pieces to write and, and, yep. we, and we can put it into place. That's, yeah, that's exactly what I do when I'm determining, like if I'm jumping into topic clusters with someone for the first time is we review what's out there and say, hey, what's the fastest path to completion, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, if there's seven pieces of content that are you know, tangentially about this topic, great. That I can write three more and then a long form piece and I have a full cluster. I just have to do the linking and 
probably some keyword optimizations, but that that's usually how we tackle it is like get the lowest hanging fruit out of the way first if you have a lot of existing yeah. content to work with. Okay. In terms of the types of content that you're linking to, mm-hmm. how, how does that play into it? Is it is 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 there any reason why it it needs to be like all written content or can you link out to a podcast episode, a video and link, link back and, and so forth? How does that factor in? You can definitely link out to other things. When I say the 8 to 22 pieces of subtopic content, you're going to want all of those to be lengthy in terms of text, but you can pull other things into the cluster that aren't necessarily that. I just wouldn't substitute it for one of our 8 to 22 subtopic articles. You can do it in addition. And then the other thing to keep in mind is if you're linking out to a podcast, is it on the same domain or is it on another platform? Are you linking out to Apple Podcasts? It's really Uh, not going to do anything for the cluster itself for the most part. But if it's on the same domain, say you were to take and write a summary of your podcast and release it as a blog, then it's a great piece to add into that Uh, cluster because it's got the written chunk and it's on the same domain. So those are some of the questions you want to ask yourself. But any amount of additional content you can add to the cluster is always a positive. It's just mm-hmm. determining if it fits into one of those 8 to 22 slots. Okay. But wh- why is it important that you do have the, the written content primarily? Quite frankly, that's what Google's algorithm is designed to look through today. Uh-huh. There's going to be change and growth, right? I mean, if you haven't heard chat GPT in the last week, you must be sitting I, I under think, a rock. But... I think I've heard, I think I've heard yeah. of it. I heard some rumors, yeah. <laughs> so there's always going to be changes, and I'm sure Google will find a way to to do more with other forms of content as well. But your best bet today and its best knowledge is of written content. Okay. That's kind of interesting, right? Sort of by the way, because we hear so much about video, like the mm-hmm. big, big push. Everyone has to do video. But in a lot of ways, like you just said, given how Google works, written content is still kind of primary. It is for, for getting your domain to rank well. Usually if you're looking for organic results on video in particular, that's when you might, might want to go put together a YouTube strategy because Google mm-hmm. wants to keep everybody in their video platform, right? They're not like right. hoping to send them out the door. So that's where you would play with using the tags that you can get in YouTube or the descriptions to put the, the word the words, the keywords in, in written yeah. form to help them find it. But that's that would be outside of a topic cluster, if you would, because it's, it's not going to help your domain rank better. Mm-hmm. Now, are there certain topics that lend themselves better to this strategy than others, do you think? Yeah, you're definitely going to want to look at search volume as a key indicator of whether or not a topic is worthy of building a full cluster around, right? If somebody has, or if, if a topic has 15 searches, you're probably going to be fine just writing a single article on it and not Mm -hmm. building a full cluster. Usually I start with things that are about 300 monthly searches or above. I use SEMrush personally, but there's there's plenty of keyword tools out there that can tell you that. And then I will even go down to topics if they're really qualified that are like 120, 150 monthly search volume and write some content around the whole cluster. But usually like 300 monthly searches is the cutoff that I look at for building a, a full detailed cluster for. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting from scratch, you know, let's say you've done the audit and you're like, "Mm, I just, we don't have any existing pieces that are going to work, but here's this really important topic. We need to create a cluster. What's the timeline? Like how much time should you anticipate needing to spend to actually do this? That's going to depend on, you know, if you have an outsourced writer, if you do the writing yourself, if you have a Mm. copywriter in-house, a lot of those things are going to weigh into how fast you can do it just realistically. I always recommend a minimum of two articles a week as like a posting schedule. You want to kind of keep your volume up and consistent. So 
if you're able to meet the volume of two articles a week, then you can do it in two months. I like at Playwire, we post at least three times a week personally, but I mean, everybody's got different levels of ability to do so. And you know, for the most part, if you're going to do an outsourced writer, which I have done very successfully plenty of times in my career, I usually recommend doing interview-based content because what you don't want to do is create more of what's already out there. Google's not really going to reward that, right? right. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is create content that has a perspective, that has your expertise in it. And usually interview-based content can pull out your voice pretty well and can get across those things that are really unique to what you have to say on a subject and not just like some writer's research paper right. on what was already published. Right. Because they're going to be basically Googling the topic and mm -hmm. then piecing together stuff that, that already exists. Yep. As, as a, yeah, good point. As opposed to an interview where you're, it's people kind of thinking out loud yeah. and coming up with stuff that uh, is unique to that, to, to that conversation. Absolutely. And that's really, you know, how you stand out from the crowd is, is putting out something that nobody else has talked about or a perspective on a subject that somebody hasn't mentioned before. Right. And Having a conversation with subject matter experts is a, is a really good way to do that. Pretty efficient way to do that. I yeah, think. yeah. It's like you figured it out or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, bottom line, sort of main takeaway here for marketing teams that that are listening to this and think like, yeah, content cluster. We need to we need to get into that. Oh, actually, <laughs> I had another question I wanted to ask. Sure. So we'll edit we'll edit this bit out. But so, once you've created all this content, you kind of have the cluster in place. How how frequently would you say are you going back to it and tweaking the pieces, sort of refreshing them? How important is that? It's hugely important. I would say it's going to be the the only way you get yourself to that like number one ranking type of place. Mm. Personally, once a cluster is out the door, I actually don't think of that process on a cluster level anymore. I think of it across my entire library of content. And what I do is use, I use SEMrush. It has the position tracking feature in there where it tells you how you're ranking for all of the keywords you're going after. So as you produce content that's targeted at keywords, you want to make sure you add those keywords to your list of ones that you're watching. And anytime, so once a month, I go through and I look at all of the content I have that's ranking on page two. So basically between position 11 and 20. And that is an automatic time for a content refresh. I go re-optimize it for the keyword using, you know, one of the great keyword optimization tools that are out there. Like I personally, I love Mark Muse, but there's a Surfer SEO. And so it's, it's literally like a repeated process. Once a month I check, I get the lists that are currently on page two. I go re-optimize them and then they push forward, push up. So that is hugely important. And I don't even really think about it on a cluster basis at that point. I think about it across my entire content library. Right. Okay. So in a way, the, the work is never really totally done. <laughs> no. And I mean, Google's algorithm is, I mean, nobody really knows because they don't tell you, but it's it's pretty much designed to look for content freshness too, right? Mm, if something yeah. has been updated multiple times and has been updated more recently, that's going to hold more weight than something that was published two years ago and never touched again because it's likely lost some of its luster. Yeah. So. Not only is it helping you because you're re-optimizing and you're doing a better job of targeting for the keyword, but you're also at the same time sending that signal to Google that, hey, I'm staying on top of this. This is going to be up to date. It's not going to be outdated information. Right. That's what Google likes. It does indeed. Got to give, got to give Google what it likes. Okay. So what's the takeaway here for marketing teams that are listening and they, they want to get into doing this strategy? What's your main takeaway? I would say the, the biggest barrier to doing this is having a repeatable process for doing it that sort of like turns into 
just managed for you in the background. Because having to keep track of all these little pieces and remember when to do everything, when you don't have like a really robust process that just like automatically reminds you when it's time to check things, that tends to be where people fall off the wagon, right? Because there's just too many mm. things to keep track of at once. It's your, your brain can't do that. Mine, mine can't. I can't even remember my grocery list unless I write it down. So I really rely on having a process that I've built into the project management tool. I use ClickUp personally, but there's tons of them out there that when I start a topic cluster, I pre-schedule all the tasks for it, everything down to like when something gets optimized, when something gets staged, when something gets launched so that like it just reminds me when I need to do something. And the the thinking process of like, what should I do next Once that's removed, everything just becomes like, all right, I'm just going to do my laundry list of tasks for today Mm -hmm. and go. And it makes it a lot easier to actually get through to completion when when you're not constantly having to put the the effort, the mental effort into deciding what to do next. Yeah, great point. Great advice. Because especially like a big project like this can seem overwhelming, right? And you can get like intimidated and lost in the details and then just everything you can just be like, ah, I can't, I can't handle this. Yeah. But if you break it down into small steps and, you, and like you said, you don't have to think it through all the time, mm-hmm. a lot easier, right? Yeah. It makes a huge difference. I'd say that's the difference between like, you know, some, some road bumps and like, you're kind of going like this with your traffic to just like, all right, it's just going to keep sailing up, 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 up. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Great advice. Well, Stacey, final question. How can people reach you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Stacey Willis. I think I'm one of the few that's out there. And then my website is www.stacywillis.com. It's got a bunch of information on topic clusters and it's my Stacy is spelled with no E. It's a common misconception. So <laughs> just to be okay. clear, clear, it's S-T-A-C-Y and then Willis is pretty standard. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, We'll help our listeners and viewers by putting a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes, and we'll link to Playwire too, so people can check out the company. Well, Stacey, thank you so much. This is a really interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I always love nerding out and content. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.